What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dogs Football Podcast. We talked to you guys last Friday and mentioned how by the next time we talk to you, it could be a somber episode. It could be a joyous episode with everything that could play out with that game. It was a frigid cold game that a whole lot of people showed up to. And we had a late – it was a – at one point, I guess at the very end, it wasn't – I mean, it was kind of a low-scoring game, and we took a lead late and then gave it up and then made a late surge, but it was already out of hand before we were out the door because it was way too cold. So it is a somber episode. I'm Nick Malone, run by Noah Lurch. Noah was a another heartbreaking game, one that got out of reach, and it took garbage time for us to get back in it. We'll dive into it, but – 10 points now total. We've lost four of our five games this year, putting us in a hole to where we're not going to make the playoffs. Everyone's talking about – some people within the team are talking about, you know, if you win. And Youngstown's a really good team. We'll, we'll kind of dive into this near the end about how they're a good team, a win on the road, can make you six and five. But we talked about our resume not being the absolute best, obviously, and, and stuff. So there's hope within the team, which I would hope there would be, they don't want to just go in and give up, even though it seemed like, what do you have to play for to this point? But we'll dive into that with other things. What's going on? Yeah, just um, another game where they can't finish the deal. I mean, um, defense played pretty well besides the first drive by North Dakota State, um, allowing a wide-open touchdown um, to wheel route out, out of the backfield by the running back to be wide open for a touchdown. But offense just, once again, goes away, doesn't show up. Um, and there's been, once again, stupid penalties where um, some players just get away with it and keep doing it, and it just gets frustrating. Um, yeah, there's some, the media this week and Nick Hill's press conference, a lot of them thought there was a chance. There's no chance. With our resume, it's not good enough. Um, then you go into this week, you're playing a team that uh, if they win, they're probably in. So um, probably not a good chance, I mean. Like you said, there, there's there, there's not a lot to play for besides those seniors that want to go out with a win. Um, but other than that, not a lot to play for this weekend because you couldn't get the job done um, in the last couple of weeks. You mentioned how, again, that's, you know, <clears throat> the kind of minds – because we want the team to end on a high note as well. You know, so if they keep having that mindset that there is a chance, at least they fight like heck, even though we know last year with Youngstown, they almost dashed our chances. So we're having them again for them to officially put the nail in the coffin. And you're right, give them a great opportunity. And we'll get into where they were on a bracketology and where they were ranked. You know, it gives them a good chance at seven wins if they get the job done. To uh, uh, And we'll dive into games they've had this year to put them in the position they are again. So we'll dive into that along with, like we said, the game we just lost and some more around the Valley. But no, let's start off with some recent news, <clears throat> some good news. As we recall, and, and, you know, we follow the XFL. We did before it crashed and, and you know, pre-pandemic, you know, because St. Louis has a team. We were following the Battlehawks. We were almost literally about to go to a game. And now that they're back and the Battlehawks are back, we'll be looking to go to some games again. It's starting up soon, and some good news down in Orlando when they had their draft recently. The Orlando Guardians took none other than Xavion Furkron. We know Xavion is a grad assistant with the team this year. He's done an amazing job. He's meant so much to this program in his six or seven years he's been here now. Noah, we've talked about how maybe he's undersized and he wouldn't have got a chance in another league or something, and other Salukis that graduated last year have had some recent chances, maybe not holding on to anything, and maybe Xavion could be that one. Him and former Saluki Roman Tatum, who 
was in the XFL prior or a couple of years ago as well. He's back in the fold, and they're both on the Guardians. This is great to see. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the XFL and the AFL um, are opportunities for guys to showcase. Um, if you followed those leagues before, you see guys that you recognize their name in the NFL right now. So big opportunity for Big Z and Roman to continue their dreams to play football um, after college. Um, it's a big-time opportunity um, to get more on tape um, for NFL guys because guarantee their scouts at every uh, paying attention to see if you get picked up by them. Um, big opportunity for both. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy because Roman Tatum, <clears throat> according to his Twitter bio, which now says he's with the Guardians, but he was a Central Florida realtor down there in, or- in Orlando. So it's actually right in his backyard, him becoming and, and being able to stay. I mentioned he was in the XFL prior. He posted a couple of days ago about him. He was on the L.A. Kings or L.A. Wildcats two years ago. So he's getting another chance. So it is great to see. And Xavion's just going to have to focus on that now. And I don't know what like the timetable for that is. I, I We mentioned how they're playing here or playing in a couple months, I guess, in like March or April after the NFL season, maybe right after the NFL season in February or March. But Xavion probably won't be. Because it's happened a couple of days ago, he probably didn't make the trip with the team for tomorrow's game. You never know, but he's probably been focused on that. Just amazing to see seeing Xavion finally be able to get these chances that no one else gave him before, and hopefully he can run with it, him and Roman. So that had to leave with that. That was important news. We'll be following his career for as long as it lasts because he does have coaching in his career. We said that in the tweet. He'll, he'll be a coach one day, as he already was. So no. with that being said now, we'll dive into North Dakota State here. Shortly, we'll dive into update on the commits, and there's a couple of new offers, some other recruits for every year from for next year in 2024 that were at the game last Saturday. But let's dive into an update on what the commits have been doing. Yeah, we had three three commits this season or senior year's end um, this past weekend. Starting with our newest commit, Alan Middleton, receiver from Escuda. Um, they hosted three seed to Peoria, um, lost 36-21. Allen did have 21 carries for 80 yards, um, three receptions for 51 yards, and he also had eight tackles on defense. Um, we retweeted a video he posted. thought it was pretty cool thanking Mascuda and all, of, all all they've done for him and the staff and stuff in his career. So um, a, a guy that we wanted badly and we got him. Um, I hate to see his career in like that. And Blaine Halley also up in Illinois. Um, they played three seeded Williamsville, a conference uh, conference rival. Lost forty one twenty one. Williamsville will probably go on and probably have a chance to win the state championship. So um, it was a really good senior year for Blaine and Olympia, um, who snuck in the playoffs and made a, a deep run. Um, then down in Georgia, Amir Dwight and Crisp County lost to Peach County in the first round of the playoffs, twenty three nothing. Amir did have eight tackles. So um, those guys is. Those guys join um, a couple other commits who already lost, um, but we got we got some guys still playing. We got three commits still playing. Um, Jameer Khan, um, they played over in Missouri for Lee Summit North. They played one seeded Nixa. Um, they upset Nixa in the district championship, twenty four to ten. Jameer did have seven tackles, one interception, and two pass breakups. So um, big time, big time win for Jameer and Lee Summit North. Um, they now are in the final four in, in the biggest class in the state of Missouri. They play seven and five Desmet this weekend. Um, so one went away to 
play for a state title for Jameer and his team. So that's a big win. Miles Wash out in Kansas and Derby, they took down Washburn Rural, a 36-31. Um, big time adding for Miles in that one. Um, they play Manhattan, who is undefeated. Um, Miles and Derby previously lost to them at the start of the year, 26-23 in overtime. So that's going to be a really good game this weekend, see if they can get some revenge. Um, then down in Florida, um, Caleb Wagner and his team, um, first round of playoffs, beat Bozeman um, 33-14. Caleb did have 24 carries for 174 yards, two touchdowns and on defense. He had three tackles. So got a lot of guys. we got three guys still playing for some hardware. Um, deep in the playoffs, had some guys that really had some good senior years. So um, starting to recruit winners, playing a lot of guys. We had it last year, a lot of guys playing deep into the playoffs and was the same way this year. So that's good to see. For sure. And you mentioned, uh, or, you know, as much as we would like it to, you know, for the, all these guys to go compete to the very end, it's not always going to happen. There's some, obviously some bad games you mentioned. It's good to see Caleb having a really good game. And continue his. Yeah, Florida was well behind in seasons and getting to this point because we know guys like Logan Minton's season have been has been over for a while. And he a couple of days ago tagged this in a tweet where he posted his senior season highlights: thirty six catches, five hundred fifty two yards, seven touchdowns. And seeing like Blaine uh, Blaine Haley, Haley, he was honored to be first team All State in Class Three A. Made a post about that. So, and you mentioned Allen, or you mentioned some revenge games that uh, Miles is getting that we know Allen got with Highland after he beats. And we've been following Allen in terms of just the most because he's more local than some of the others. And he uh, he's obviously the just most recent commit. And he beat our hometown team in the playoffs. And then uh, obviously, yeah, or he, he's been just carrying that team. He was doing everything to the very end when they lost by however much. So a lot of good seasons and careers by a lot of these guys. You mentioned Allen's video was good. Looking to get these guys in, but yeah, not all of them are finished. We'll keep uh, up or keep updated with those. And then, as you said, you'll we'll talk about those their seasons as a whole and looking forward on these next pods as we move forward. And then, no, I mentioned there were some people that were on campus, ones that are on our feed that we were able to retweet, and find. Like I said, some for next year, some for twenty twenty four. There's a decent amount of them run through those. And then we also had uh, some other, uh, some other, sorry, some other high school players that we also offered as well. Yeah. We had a couple of Juco guys on campus from uh, Iowa central community college, a six, two quarterback, Zach marker, um, him and his uh, wide receiver who we just offered and Cal Wiedemann, um, a six, one wide receiver looks like um, has really good hands. Uh, could be a slot guy, take over for that Bryce Miller role. We know how big Bryce has been in that slot this year. So a guy that could take over that role. Um, a, co- a couple other of his teammates were on there. Um, some 2023 guys um, were on campus. Um, Ethan McCarter um, from DeKalb High School. He's a wide receiver and DB. He's also an all-conference return specialist. So he was specialist of the year in that conference. We know we struggle on special teams, get good returns and stuff. So you had him, and I know Allen does it pretty well. So that'd be two guys that could fix your um, return game. Some other 2024 guys on campus, Rodney McDill Jr., who we've talked about before, 
uh, cornerback. He was on campus. Um, Drew Swingle, from an offensive lineman from Eureka, was also on campus. And Miles McCathrin, also a JUCO guy from DuPage up out of Chicago area. 6'3", 205, big body guy. Um, two years, uh, he's a redshirt sophomore, so two years would be awesome to add a receiver like that. Then some offers recently. Um, like I mentioned, we offered um, Cal Wideman, a receiver. Um, we offered Quinn Warren, a 6'3", 320-pound defensive tackle from Northwest Christian College. Um, that's a big-time body. I think he started to get some pretty good offers here recently. Uh, we offered Lamar transfer, a linebacker, 6'2", 220, and Farian Owens has three years of eligibility. We were his first offer after he entered the portal. Um, we offered Jameson Kelly, a 2023 guy um, down in Columbia, Mississippi. So that's another guy and a couple other offers. Um, Trevor Brock, an offensive lineman from Reaver football for 2020 or for uh, for Iowa, Iowa Western Community College. He's a 6'6 offensive lineman. That's a big time body um, for a Juco guy. Then. Uh, another 2023 three-star, 6'8", outside linebacker, defensive end. Um, Michael Garner um, from up in the Chicago area we offered as well. So a lot of a lot of recruiting going on. Honestly, our season's starting to wind down. So um, we'll have probably a lot of recruiting update podcasts throughout the – because we know with the new transfer portal, the window of December to whatever – um, it's a big time. Then we know it's uh, in December. There's a sign-in period or a signing date for football. So we'll also probably have a big podcast for that as well. We're going to sneak peek probably on the next one when we recap this game, and then we'll have a season recap, and then we'll look ahead. Because yeah, there'll be. I mean, we were huge in the portal this year. We're going to be huge in it again. I would like to think a lot of people to replace. Still, they said the seventeen seniors, even some that we didn't fully think were official seniors that they posted on this video before the game and and stuff. And yeah, so a lot of people sort of replace some guys that stick. I think Zach Marker. I was watching a little bit of his film, and he's got nice size. I know he's a quarterback, and we know Nick Baker is still going to be our quarterback next year, more than likely. Think about the quarterback room. I like his game, and then you mentioned Miles McCathrin with that size at receiver to, uh, you know, ho- hopefully make a decision here and stuff. So there's a lot of options of different varieties, and we know guys that are sitting out there. I mean, the whole depth chart for us looks different. We'll be going over that. Obviously, we're trying to update that and figure out because we know not only will we be getting people from the portal, we'll have people enter the portal more than likely. Heck, we had that before the season started. We had like at least five or six enter the portal after the spring game. So it'll happen at that point next year, and it'll happen before the offseason. So there'll be a lot. I mean, it's the way football is with the portal nowadays for sure, that it's going to be a lot of new faces, a lot of uh, spots to fill. So a lot will go down with that because, like I said, the depth chart we're trying – because the people, the freshmen that sat out this year, the one true freshman that didn't start or didn't play, obviously those – ones that set out will probably be in the next next year. So it's a lot going on with that those offseason pods, yeah, with recruiting, with portal, with everything, trying to iron out what next season could look like. Definitely going to be a busy offseason, but, yeah, still focusing on the now, even though it's probably just just the one game left. So you did you dig over those. A lot of good in that. So now, no, let's dive into what was the not good. Was this game last Saturday, like I said, in the frigid temperatures, 
not a whole lot of people in the stands. You were there from the get-go. I had, or I still went to work and then got there at halftime four, which seems like, obviously would have seemed like a great time to be there. And honestly, it was even at the time, at the halftime for what it was and then how it finished off, even with those temperatures. And like I said, no, we went into this game thinking, well, North Dakota State, they've struggled a little bit at times on the road. Uh, you know, they came in, we mentioned how, you know, North Dakota is a frigid state, but it seems like they just go from their from their place to their car into the facility and dealing with the cold. They're inside nonetheless. Thought we could have had a little bit of an advantage there, and it looked like we could have at times. Let's dive into this game because they ended up being exactly who they were. They even had a big injury on their side, which we'll get into, that they had, which I, we still couldn't take advantage of. They still were able to do the things they wanted to do. And, yeah, it came down to big plays that they made that we couldn't stop on down and distances to give us the ball back. But it wasn't a great game offensively as well. So, no, let's dive into this game. Uh, we got the ball first, and then, you know, we actually had it because I was listening to it, and you were there, obviously – a pretty good run or a pretty good drive to start out with. I mean, 35, I mean, it was a long drive for maybe just 35 yards. A lot of stuff happened in this game, which we'll get to something for Avante. His streak ended in this game. Weren't able to get anything going. I think that was a big thing. And we know North Dakota State coming into this game was number one in pass defense in the whole country. So had a feeling it was going to be a ground game in this one because Noah, we also knew that there was no Romir in this game. He got hurt last game. Still no Justin Strong, still no whoever, you name it. It's Ty Staniel, which we'll dive into him, what Jacob Garrett in the interview maybe have said about him. But, no, I don't think I'm missing any other injuries we had from the get-go. Not having Romero was huge because, obviously, that could have affected what it was. You know, Sean Lester was dealing with injuries in this game. Didn't play a whole lot, if at all. So it was all Javon. So dive into, obviously – how this game went from you for you remember from the start of this game before I got there, mostly the first time, like I said, is there anything else I was missing from the pre injuries to start out or anything? Uh, just that J- uh, Jacob Coggle was back. He started at center. Um, so that moved Abdu out of the lineup. Um, did have uh, Harden back at left guard. So um, had just little tweaks on the O line. Um, but yeah, just, I mean, had a decent start offensively, um, just weren't able to convert big third downs. And uh, defensively, I mean, from the get-go, our defense, besides that first drive uh, for North Dakota State, um, that they, besides, I think it was, this, yeah, the first drive where they scored a touchdown. I mean, allowing that first touchdown on a wheel route, leaving the guy wide open. I mean, Kobe Johnson on a wheel right out of the backfield. Really, besides that, your defense played pretty well in that first half to limit them to only seven seven points in the first half. Um, but the offense just could not get anything going. There was, besides Jake Bumgard's 28-yard field goal, um, which I would like to go for at that spot in the game because we needed touchdowns, not field goals. Um, but just bad punts in the first half, which we we've – been used to that all year I mean we had a four yard punt in the first half which I know it's cold and he's from Australia but that's just pitiful yeah you're right and we had I mean to start the I mean you're right after that huge drive where they went on to get on the board and then we couldn't do anything Jacob Garrett who 
we'll get into it. He had, he scored at the end of the game, but he had his first runs of his entire career in this game. Even Avante did on that on that second drive, which we mentioned he didn't get a catch that ruined his streak, which we thought at the very end of the game that he did. We'll get into that, but we're actually yeah, we got you're right on the defense. We got them to punt, and then Nick threw a pick, and then so they got the ball back. But then they punted again. So we're actually their final three possessions of the even after an interception, their final three possessions of the half were punts. So our defense was doing great. Just yeah, we weren't able to uh, do anything with some of those, and we punted as well. Before you mentioned the field goal, and you're right. It seems like when you play a team like this, it's like playing the Chiefs, for example, in NFL or anybody high powered over the years. You feel like you can never. Just, yeah, score through. you got to be in foot on territory and go for it and know going into the game that you have the play calls to um, – you have the play calls to obviously prepare for that and go for it if need be and stuff. But you're right, and you, you mentioned our short punt, and they had a short punt, didn't they too? They had a – whatever it was, they had a short punt as well also. So it set us up, you're right, to go down and then only have a 28-yarder. So that was what it was at half – not a whole lot. Obviously, we st- still weren't able to run the ball, weren't able to get anything in the air really ever either. But, no, at a halftime, we are able to make them punt, and then this is where we got on the board and took the lead uh, with five minutes left in the third. was a Jacob Garrett run for a touchdown that was set up beforehand. So we mentioned how there was no J- no Justin and no Romero. So, okay, it's all Javon. But remembering that Pop Jones got in this game and had some okay moments, we know – the U and I game, he was uh, on kick returns and stuff, so he was back at that at that time. Got to this point. You mentioned Bryce Miller and Bryce when we were, were able to throw the ball. It was all Bryce Miller. I mean, he just incredible knowing that we only got him. He's been playing for a lot of this a lot of this year now, and it started at Northwestern. But just the fact that he's been so valuable in his time that if we just had one more year of it, we know that's not the case. He's so valuable. It's so important getting a guy like that. In here, so he had 14 yards and back-to-back plays uh, for us to get it to this point. And after Jacob scored, but no, it didn't take long, obviously, for them to get back on the board with a 70-yard, almost six-minute drive that put them back in front. And they didn't look back. And Noah, you mentioned some of the awful punts, or actually, it was a touch. Nathan Torney had a 51-yard punt at the start of the at the start of the fourth, and we were fourth and 11 after Nick got sacked for eight yards and then Javon had an eight yard run, but it obviously didn't matter because we were already down in distance before that. So then we punted it back and then Noah, they went down and scored again, put the nail in the coffin. All it took was some stops. And let's talk about this final drive and some of the takeaways of these down in distance. When you were calling a lot of these plays, even when we were on offense, you were calling when Avante was going to come in motion and what they can seek it out themselves. But Noah, they had a big, big receiver, number zero, that's, came in on third and longs when our defense was doing fine to the point. But, Noah, you called it that if he's coming in, they're going to him. And it had David Miller one-on-one, who's about 5'9", 5'10", maybe. This kid was like at least 6'4". Just an easy jump ball that would that got them first downs on multiple occasions, Noah. Like I said, you called it a mile away. You would think that our staff could notice that you don't put David Miller on an island who struggled this year. Maybe put DJ Johnson on him. Maybe switch it up just a little bit because your season was on the line. No, that was all unfortunate. Yeah, just really, really unfortunate. I mean, we talked about it in the, in the preview that obviously you want to load the blocks, load the box to stop their run game, but 
we can't trust our DBs play one-on-one coverage on the corner position. Um, these last several games, they've been very bad. And yeah, I mean, in the first half, they threw one of these jump balls to Zach Mathis and uh, PJ got away with PI on that play. He was off helping. Um, he got there a little early. Um, then, uh, and then this one, I mean, he didn't, the guy didn't come on the field very much, but when he did, I mean, they're going to throw him the ball in a jump ball situation because that's really, I mean, Cam Miller only throws 10 passes in this game. He was six of 10 for 80 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he doesn't want to pass the ball. They want to ground and pound in the second half. You just saw it. The defense time and possession for North Dakota state, the long drives defense just got worn down. And that's really when they obviously, um, wear us down and be able to score with ease. That's what they do to people. They play closer games than what we've seen in the past because usually North Dakota State had some guys that could throw the ball a little bit, like Trey Lance, obviously, um, that they blew people out. But this, they just want to run the ball here. Um, just sucks. I mean, some on one of their drives, I mean, there was a bunch of penalties for us because we're basically getting the ball at the 50-yard line because of a targeting on Lewis Wilbert and an unsportsmanlike, um, just just crazy. I mean, just crazy. The Then we had, a I think, Clayton Bush with another really stupid penalty. I mean, I don't know how many times you just let a guy hurt this football team with stupid penalties, whether that's targeting, running just knock somebody's head off, or just stupid unsportsmanlike penalties. This time he suplexed a guy on his head. It just can't happen. He got up with his palms up in the air like, acting like, what do you want me to do? Just, I don't know how many times a guy can cost you yards on penalties and not put up with it. I mean, I mean, we barely saw Antonio Fletcher these last couple of games. We don't know if can't be an injury or he wouldn't be dressing ready to go. He played a little bit in this game, but um, just stupid penalties cost you in some of these drives that put the game away. Obviously, our offense um, scored when it was a little too late. Um Tried an onside kick. Obviously, they got it. So, um, it was we cut it to three. We just offense had so many opportunities in the first half to really give us a lead because the defense played lights out for a lot of this game. Just they got worn down at the end and made it pretty easy for North Dakota State to drive down the field. Exactly. When we, when we had the ball and we had, you know, guys open, we had everything that – and we haven't – offensive line's been decent enough to where Nick hasn't been sacked all that much. But he got sacked in this game, and that's what killed those first-half drives and what killed a lot of it, yeah, with their great front and their great defense. Um, yeah, you said a lot there in terms of uh, – well, first off, Hunter Lutke got hurt in this game, the All-American, and he he left and then came out in a sling. One of their other offensive linemen got hurt, and – uh, you mentioned it there. I mean, our penalties that not only did on offense, whenever a sack would just kill it and then we wouldn't able to get anything and punt it away, that you're right. It was the Lewis targeting huge hit that they obviously brought back. And then you mentioned the Jeffrey Will or the uh, was it Welch or well, uh, Wells, Wells that's had yeah. the yeah, Jeff Wells had the whatever. And, and Mike asked Nick about that at the end or in the post game about it. And Nick said he didn't really have an idea. I mean, they both went to the ground and then whatever happened, it's those. And then you mentioned Clay. Yeah. It seemed like in the moment he had a guy wrapped up and I guess as a football player in your mind, because you've seen that happen before. And granted, if you throw him on the head, it's always going to be a penalty. Sometimes you're able to, 
And as wrestling fans, you know, if you put them on their shoulder or something, you don't put them on the head. Or if you look like you're suplexed and tackle them on the uh, something, I can picture it. I don't have to describe it, but something that doesn't put it on their head. Maybe not. Maybe it doesn't get called, but it seemed like the uh, the dead uh, the dead ball whistle wasn't there for Clayton, and then realized he just had to try to finish the play, and it looked terrible. He was too strong for his own good in that moment. You're right. He's killed us a lot. There's we know the North Dakota game, which we'll mention them and where they're at in the season, and that was one of our best wins. That he kind of ended that with a huge breakup. Other than that, and he had a nice pick against whoever it was, but he's definitely had a lot of. He got away with the targeting didn't get it earlier in the season as well. He has had a lot of moments. We know that's in his past as well. He's really talented, but it seemed like he gets in his own way kind of thing. So, yeah, a lot of penalties ended us in this game as well. You mentioned mentioned Zach Mathis, two PIs on the plays that he caught. And then there was also Jake Lip, who caught passes from Cam. He only threw it to a couple guys. You mentioned his stats. Literally third and 12 twice. And Jake Lip got 13 yards, just enough for a first down to continue drives. And, yeah, it seemed like at the beginning when I was listening to it and you were there watching, Noah, that we knew and everyone was talking. It seemed like North Dakota State knew it too, and they were going to come out and do what you weren't expecting, throwing the ball right away and on that second drive getting that touchdown. They were going to prove to you that they could throw it. And especially with Hunt, when Lukey went down, they, they still were able to run the ball, but they were trying to fool everybody and pass it a little bit and then took and then caught everything off guard. And you mentioned – yeah, at the end, about four minutes, went down 81 yards. That uh, See, that's what it says here. We didn't think – oh, yeah, it was the two-point conversion to Deontay, who also caught the touchdown. And Because it, it said Avante on here as well, and that's when we were confused at the end and knowing Avante's streak ended. But uh, So we stormed downfield. Obviously, when you play and they play prevent defense, they just let you honestly go all the way downfield. And uh, – I and mean, we had some ineligible men downfield and stuff that even draw us back, but the four minutes was enough to go down and score when you're right. Onside kick didn't get it. We were already gone by this point. It was way too cold to be sitting in there to watch us lose, honestly. We went to Buckwater Brew Works, which is a, a cool place that people promote all the time to go watch games. And uh, so we went there, finished it. They had it on in there. And then that's how it ended up. So another heartbreaking loss. Again, three points. Like I said, 10 points total, four of our five losses. Just Honestly, awful. And um, Nick Hill said after the game, playing really good teams, the schedule that we do, there's really no margin for error. It's a really good team that has a chance of winning another championship. I feel like, Noah, there's only a point you can go to with saying some of this stuff, knowing that, again, those 10 points total, you got to be able to finish games. And a lot of this season, a lot of everything is on Nick Hill, especially with – we talked about the takeaways from the two previous losses that were huge in coaching that – required you to lose and it came down to this one I'm not being able to execute offensively probably call the right play and it came down to the defense that was good at times and then obviously let up those huge down and distance plays no I mean other than that we'll dive into more no what are your other thoughts on this game final thoughts on this one that dagged our season yeah it's just I mean it's been a lot of a lot of coaching offense has been very poor at times I mean, even in this one, you had a chance to tie it at seven at halftime, and you run a throwback to um, a throwback across the way to Jake Green um, uh, that lined up as an extra lineman. I mean, just poor play call. I mean, when you're playing a championship-level team like that, they're not going to fall for stupid tricks like that. I mean, just play calling at times has just been very bad by him. I've said it multiple times. I think he needs to hire – we have an OC 
obviously that's listed, but like we need an actual play caller in here that calls plays because like at times he's just he tries to be too cute. We just need to line up and do what we do best. And he's just not doing that at times. There's a dumb play call at the end of the half. Um, that's why we had to settle for a field goal. Um, just sucks that we go out like this. Obviously, we've had plenty of opportunities to close this one. Offense not showing up at times. And almost we try to rely on our defense, it feels like, way too many times. And obviously, defense is on the field a lot, so they wear down. And obviously, in this one, they wear down, not able to get key stops at times. Um, and just our offense not doing what it needs to do. Yes, yeah, some more quotes Nick hit, Nick's said, and we mentioned those those barrage of penalties that happened at certain points, and Nick said that series of events really swung the game. We couldn't get off the field, and mentioning after those third calls, Mikhail Calhoun said a key emphasis in practice is to get off the field on third downs. Um, who did have a sack in this game, he said those third down completions really hurt us, and then um, – Jacob Garrett said, we've seen you and I get in a get in a six and five before last year with some quality wins and quality, if you will, losses. It's obvious we can compete with any of those teams in the top five. And Coach Hill said, you show up every single day ready to work, ready to grow, get better until they tell you your season's over. That's the mentality. We mentioned that earlier. And um, Noah, that is the thing. I mean, if uh, I mean, we know we can play with anybody, we just shoot ourselves in the foot. We mentioned the 10 points again for the millionth time. That's just just very unfortunate how it's it's come to this point. It's come down to knowing if you just would have beat the fourth ranked team at home like you should have, or even because the season is crazy that it's came to this point after the bad two games, SEMO, which we've seen what's I mean they're a lock for the playoffs. Seeing what their season has become, that loss doesn't look awful, even though it was it was at home and you should have won, should have got the final stops. Five game winning streak, riding so high after the Northwestern game, it all started after that. And then the terrible losses, which we had a we had a irky feeling. Once stats were coming out, people were riding high on us. People still weren't giving us credit. We thought we deserved at the time, and that honestly just ended up screwing us over. So it is definitely unfortunate. So quick things here that Mike posted today on stats updates. Some of them are honestly pretty remarkable. Uh, on where or quickly for Javon, he's now six. He's still behind DJ Davis all time. And rushing yards and rushing touchdowns, he's still third all time. He's eight. And depending upon Javon's status, we know he's a preseason senior bowl guy. He still has eligibility if he wants to come back. Um, just knowing like where he would stand on this and where he could be in that at that time. Here's some of the crazy one is is Nick Baker. He's he's only as we stand fifteen hundred yards, which that's a that's easily a season next year for passing Joel Samberski. Granted, which thinking about it, how Nick's done it in about two and a half seasons, not even half really in terms of like him barely starting. We, it's just crazy. It doesn't seem like that long ago when it was Lebanowitz and it was Cray Lyles until Nick fully took over that he's took all of this, you know, stats wise and turn it into what it is. 1,500 yards behind Joel that he'll break. He's only 19 completions behind Joel for first ever. He's going to pass that by the end of the season if he gets 19 with him, assuming he will maybe in the game. Tomorrow, and the touchdown pass is still behind Joel as well. He's about 18 behind him that he obviously will pass probably next year as well with tomorrow. So Nick Baker will lead us all time in stats with about the same amount of probably games. He doesn't have games on here. That's just honestly incredible, the numbers he's put up. And he's had a lot of good options. Avante Cox, where he ranks, has helped Nick a lot of the way. 
in getting to this point as well. So touched on some of those. We mentioned before, Noah, the helmet tracker we've been following and retweeting. So the equipment's been doing. We played South Dakota in the, in the Missouri Valley helmet contest. Not sure how it is to this point. We saw that four days ago. I wanted to touch on that. And now, Noah, let's dive into um, – or I just remember some of those takeaways that happened in that game, but let's dive into some around the Valley stuff around the FCS stuff. What has happened now? We talked about it last week of what happened to this point. Let's talk about the games last week and obviously what's up, what's up to happen again tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, North Dakota hosted South Dakota last week, took care of business 28, 19 win um, over South Dakota, Indiana state went on the road to Western Illinois, shut them out 21, nothing big, um, get the Indiana State gets their second win of the year. Um, then Missouri State hosted Youngstown, um, beat them 25 22. Um, the four and six Missouri State Bears now. Um, then Elmo State went on the road to South Dakota State, 31 to seven win for the Jackrabbits. Um, Elmo State couldn't get anything going offensively. Then this week, um, looking ahead till tomorrow. 11 a.m. tomorrow, Western Illinois travels to Illinois State. Uh, Missouri State is at Indiana State at noon. At 1, UNI is on the road at South Dakota. Um, then at 2.30, North Dakota plays at North Dakota State. That will be a very interesting game up in the Fargo Dome. Yeah, and I even see Murray at SEMO. That's very interesting because Murray's now got two wins. We talked about Western has none. Some of those matchups. You and I at South Dakota is interesting, and you mentioned the game that was, and Youngstown could have had an eight-win season if they beat us tomorrow and if they would have took care of business against Missouri State and barely lose, and that kind of put them now in a funk and mentioning before early on or putting them in that position now and mentioning early in the pod about – they were, I think, 31st in the bracketology for Sam Herder, which a lot of people are talking about, you know, the accuracy of what that could potentially be and knowing that if there's even a 1% chance for us to get in, if we beat Youngstown on the road from where they were, 31's clearly not, you know, you're still on the outside looking in. Like if Youngstown beats us, yeah, they're probably, depending upon what else happens in other games, puts them – in a better spot than what we would. And just if we, if we haven't even a glimmer of the 1% chance that it would obviously be with a win tomorrow. Um, and then we talked about how North Dakota is probably our best win and knowing that, you know, some of the games that they had this year uh, when they lost to, well, obviously when we beat them by whatever it was, but they lost to Nebraska earlier in their season. If I, if I bring it up here, we mentioned how they were, they beat Northern Iowa in the first conference game before anyone else played. They won at home by two. to beat Northern Arizona, lost to us, then killed, then beat Missouri State before they started their funk. They won at Youngstown, which we're about to do and some teams can't do if, if we can do it tomorrow. Lost to South Dakota State at home by 14. Beat Abilene Christian. Beat Indiana State on the road. Beat South. So they're beating in the. So the point is they're beating teams that we lost to. And then, obviously, you mentioned their game at the Fargo Dome at 2.30 tomorrow that obviously would set them up tremendously, not liking their odds there. And North Dakota didn't really impress me in the game at our place. You know, they had all their guns, it seemed like, for the most part. That's whenever we were riding high and played well. It just stinks that they're going to get in ahead of you. And it depends. I mean, granted, we didn't play at the Fargo Dome. We would have got smoked if if we did. Besides them playing here, we're going to lose by three. So whatever they do against them 
still trumps that. It's sad seeing them go in knowing that we handled them with ease in that game specifically. So it is what it is. Like I said, we'll have pods, you know, leading up to potentially, obviously, whenever the uh, selection Sunday gets here, knowing we're not officially in it if we win tomorrow, and then moving forward with pods through the offseason of what happens. So, no, with that being said, crazy how this season has flown by. I remember when we were at Illinois State October 1st, and that was five games ago or more, seeing how we already are to this point, final game of the year. We knew that if it came down to Youngstown State, just in terms of anything with our season, no, on the brink of going under 500, which we didn't think could happen at, at any point this year. Let's dive into the Penguins, who obviously are really good and have one of the best running backs in the country. Yeah, just really quickly, for people that think we actually have a chance to get in at 6-5, and five, um, I just pulled up uh, you and I's schedule from last year, who they got in at snuck in at 6-5. and five. Uh, Their non-con last year um, – on the time at the time, I remember watching this game. Um, they went on the road to play FBS number seven in the country, Iowa State. You and I actually should have won that game. They had opportunities to win that game. Yeah. They went on. They went on the road to Sacramento State, who ended up the number four seed in the playoffs. Beat them thirty four sixteen. And then conference play, they took they beat Youngstown thirty four seven. They went up to North Dakota State, um, only lost by fourteen. Um, they lost. Uh, to South Dakota, who was number 21 at the time. They went on the road, beat South Dakota State, who was sixth in the country. They beat us at home, who we were at three in the country at the time. Um, they only lost there, by seven. Yeah, that's... They, only went, they only lost by seven, number 16, Missouri State by seven. So there's no chance. Our resume looks nothing close to that. Um, if you and I wins tomorrow, they'll be six and five. They have a better resume. I'd put them over us. So... I just think there's no chance. But diving into these Penguins, this is a team that, like we said, we've been talking about. If they win, they're they have a really good chance of getting in. Um, they are they've struggled. They struggled last year, but they got some players. I mean, they started the year two and zero, then they went to Kentucky, lost thirty one nothing at Kentucky, lost only by thirteen at the Fargo Dome to North Dakota State. They lose by five against North Dakota. Then they beat. Indiana State, they beat Western, they beat South Dakota, they went on the road at Illinois State, got a win. Then they, we've talked, we just mentioned earlier, a tough loss at Missouri State. So if they win, um, they're looking pretty good. Obviously, the the college football all time leading rusher, I think now, um, and Jaleel McLaughlin is the guy that got to know. He has over, he has fifteen hundred and four yards rushing already this year, eleven touchdowns. He's averaging 150.4 a game. I don't even, I think that's probably – I don't even think we're averaging that as a team. So, um, opponents only have 124 against him. So, he's just a monster. Mitch Davidson's a quarterback. They use they use two quarterbacks. Uh, Mitch Davidson has 1,300 yards on the year, 10 touchdowns. They bring in Demetri Kinshaw, who was the Valley freshman of the year last year, uh, to run the ball uh, a little bit. So, that's a dual threat guy like last week for North Dakota State using two quarterback system. Um, then defensively, this is just another strong, like every other Valley school, has a pretty good defense. Um, I, their lead tackle is Jordan Towers. He has 50 on the year, followed by Quincy Litton, who has 49. Some guys just to watch out for. Dylan Woodkey has five sacks on the year. He likes to get, the quarter, get after the quarterback along with James Jackson, who has – four sacks on the year. So 
two guys that can get out to the quarterback, just really good special teams um, as well. So this is a team that they're planning for a lot more than us at this point. So I know we want to go out on for a win, but this is Jaleel McLaughlin is the name to watch out for, obviously. Yeah, we know we've ever since we heard that stat of our team defense and our program history, it's gone downhill. And if if Loopy didn't get hurt last game, they would have beat us by more than just those three and stuff. And knowing that Jaleel is the best running back, we know Northwestern had a really good we face this year. Nobody's like Jaleel and has had a career that he's had. We remember talking either in the before the season started or right as the season started. Like as I think it was we got an inclination last year after losing to them that, yeah, they're not going to make the playoffs this year. But, man, are they going to be good next year? Just knowing, like, we had a feeling Jaleel was going to come back and what they've done now to this point, taking advantage of it, they have huge star power. Because you'd mentioned Oliver. I mean, he's got more yards than anybody on our team, and he's got eight touchdowns. And he averages about 14 and a half a catch. He's a stud, and they got some other studs as well. Jaleel is definitely the biggest thing. I mean, if, if he just runs all over us, then it'll be over before anything. And remember how we won. I think we hadn't won there in a while before Nick in one of his first starts a couple of years ago got or we won at Youngstown. It was barely a win that we were able to scrape out. Definitely, obviously, not a easy place to play. And just how you read – yeah, we did see stats that he's all-time rusher ever in the history of, like, college football and seeing – I mean, he'll be playing on Sundays. I mean, if we're thinking, if we see Pierre Strong and guys who from the Valley that had great careers as well that can end up getting drafted, there's no reason Jaleel with his production at, granted, he's 5'9", 195. We've seen other guys shorter and stockier or even not as stocky as him get into the league. So, I mean, 200 touches is just incredible, 11 touchdowns. He is the biggest name, the biggest one we should talk about. Not to mention he's got 16 catches for 279 out of the backfield, two touchdowns as well, averaging 17, a, a catch for him. So he's easily the biggest name. And, yeah, they have a nice quarterback who doesn't turn it over. He's got one pick on the year, has been sacked 13 times. We'll get to one of our takeaways at the end of the season will be, you know, our defense was decent at times. Probably the best part of it was the sacks because we were approaching program all time and sacks were one of the top in the country, definitely in the Missouri Valley and sacks is one of the biggest things. So if we can get to him, but he'll just have to hand the ball off and he'll find, and Jaleel will find those holes. Without eight yards of carry, you mentioned some of those 150 a game. It's absolutely remarkable. Like I'm, I'm excited to keep up with it tomorrow. It's an 11 o'clock game. We'll be working. I'm excited to just keep up with the fact and see what he could do against us, knowing the team and the rushing defense that we've had to this point. It's so sad because how amped would we would we be for this game, knowing that both teams would have a chance for the playoffs and solidify a spot if we just didn't drop those games prior to North Dakota State. If that game happened and you only lose by three at home and you won the other ones, this game could look unbelievable. And we mentioned 11 o'clock start. So, no, they will be tough. Obviously, it, you know, in a meaningless game, as we pretty much alluded to, if we were talking about guys that can maybe stop Jaleel, you know, if we can play spoiler, that'd be nice. You know, we're never really putting this chance. I can't think of any of my sports teams that are put in spoiler uh, chances to ruin it for other teams. It's usually the other way around. If we were to obviously do that as a team, maybe in this game and win, thinking about some guys that would stick out, who do you got for some dogs of the game on both sides? Yeah, dog of the game. I mean, it's tough. Obviously, offensively, we've we've struggled to run the ball a little bit. Um, not sure where we're at injury-wise with running backs. 
Um, but I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Javon. I think he needs to have a big day. He had a decent day last week um, on the ground. Um, but I think Javon needs to get it done running, throwing, catching. It's got to be one of those days. I think I'll go with Avante because if it is his last career game and a historic career at SIU, if if he obviously ends his ends his career in this game and before he seeks pro opportunities as well, just knowing that we've wasted and he's had he's had his own injuries in his career, but not only this year he's been dealing with a lot. He's still had a nice season, not to his utmost best, but just knowing that we wasted a year with him and his brother, who we only get one season of Deontay healthy and seeing what he has done. Um, it's sad to see it wasted. So I'll go – I could go with either of the Cucks, but I'll go with Avante because he's left a legacy here in short amount of time. Um, defensively, anybody that can stop the run, I would say any of the defensive linemen. We know Keenan, this could be his last game as well. Some of these guys will have a chip. That's why I think we have a decent chance to win just because if we play spoiler and some of these guys' careers are on the line in college, you know, granted it's a team game. You can't just have – you know, a couple of solo guys, like I can't just pick out a Keenan and say he's going to play great, so we're going to win. That's not the case. But thinking of anybody that can stop the run, no, I think, um, you know, we've we've mentioned some others before, some others' careers that are on the line. I'll go with one that's not really. I'll go with Branson. We've talked about him a lot. A big game for someone that can play up to big moments like Branson and his ability to get to the QB if he runs or stop Juliona's tracks. Who you got? Yeah, I'm going with uh... – a linebacker as well. He led us in tackles last week, and that's George Douglas. Um, he's been really good for us this year. Um, expect him to probably lead the way in tackles. Obviously, you could say one of the cornerbacks, but um, don't have much hope for them at this point. So go with George. Hopefully he, him and Branson lead the way in tackles along with Zach. I know PJ will be up there as well, but in special teams, I, I got to gotta go with Torney. He's got he's to gotta be better. Obviously, I know he's a true freshman and all, um, but I think he only averaged like 28 yards per punt last week. It's going to be cold again, so he's got to be better if we want to flip field position tomorrow. Yeah, I can't really pick any of the specialists just in terms of, you know, it's it's just one of those games where you put yourself in position to not really, like, give the ball back to you. Granted, you don't want to just give them a win, but you – and I don't think that's how we're going to play. I could see it's coming out better offensively, but if you put yourself in position to do it, I think I don't think they will. I think they'll probably go for it and a lot. So we could have went with Nick also and on the other side of the ball doing it. Um, so I can't really see any of that. But if we did pick one, I would definitely say 20. Yeah, he's got to adjust more. If he's going to remain in this program, he's got to – granted, he is a freshman, but he's got to get used because this time of year, it happens every year. At some of these places we play, it's going to be cold. you got to be able to – to buck up and play better. I'll, I'll go with you on that one, but I don't expect to maybe have a whole lot of specialists in this game. I expect to maybe go for it in a game that you got nothing to lose in pretty much to this point. Tochil uh, is three and four in his career against Youngstown and a one and three at Stomball Stadium where they play. I mentioned the game before that Nick Baker led us to touch through two touchdowns, early 12 point deficit that we had and one by eight March 6th of last year. So it wasn't that long ago. We played two seasons last year. And I mentioned I mentioned some interviews from earlier. Chase Evans, it was good to hear from him, him bouncing around the line, mentioning how he was here following, you know, guys like Big Z and Jimmy Wormsley filling in. He's been here since 2019. Um, he's got two years left. Looking forward to remaining here. He said that obviously after the 
the defensive line or the offensive line coaching that he's adjusted well and they like coach Clark and as a group he's done well he was a really well-spoken guy and then we mentioned Jacob on for the second time mentioned in his career and I, I sneak peek earlier about him mentioning with Tice and I don't think he will obviously we pretty much alluded that he's out for the year Jacob kind of said it I maybe he just mixed up his words in terms of seeing you know if this is Tice's last game and if he doesn't play tomorrow he kind of I'm, I'm paraphrasing. He kind of alluded to the fact that we could see him, which I don't obviously don't think we will. And obviously Jacob, knowing that his career is probably over as well, an amazing season and his awesome career that he's had here as well. Like I said, 17 seniors that were honored. We mentioned seeing uh, Stone Norton was in the video for thinking that we know he's been in college for a little bit, not thinking he was going to be done. So that takes a quarterback off the board for next year, knowing that he just called plays this year. Mentioned how Zabrowski could – We'll get into this at one point. I'm just thinking of other recent interviews, some of those other seniors. You mentioned George, yeah. George has been awesome for us this year for sure in spotty times. It kind of reminds me of Col- uh, Colby Coleman from last year who kind of was eh at the start towards opportunity and then, and then you know, latched on and was great for us in the year. Kind of had shades of him from last year. So, yeah, this could be the last game ever for all of these seniors, and we'll have tweets for them and everything like we did last year, thanking all the guys for their work, the transfers this year, and the other guys for their careers, especially Mikel and Keenan for their long careers here in this program. So no final thoughts. Yeah, obviously you want to end the season on a on a win on a win, um, especially for your guys that are moving on. Um, last, even if there's a a very small chance if you can win tomorrow to somehow get in, obviously you want to do that and extend your playing career because not a lot of guys will get the opportunity to go to the next level. Obviously with a couple like the XFL and the AFL, there's opportunities there, the CFL, not a lot of guys will get that opportunity. So this could be their last football game. Um, But yeah, this is, this is a chance to spoil their senior day. Like they spoiled ours last year, offense with big mistakes in that one, Uh, turned the ball over three times last year. Um, So you can spoil somebody's senior day and spoil their season if you want to play the spoiler role to try to win this. Um, try to end this season on a good note with a big win on the road. The great point you just made, that they ruined ours. And granted, we ended up making it, and they'll be on the fringe just like us to that point because we were one of the last two in last year. It's a great point you made that they ruined our senior day. Let's ruin their senior day and ruin Jaleel McLaughlin's last day. Like they excruciated ours last year. That's a great point. Looking, I mean, it's yeah, extend the season. You're right. Not a whole lot of guys get opportunities. So that's why they're playing their hearts out. That's why I'm excited and hoping that we can obviously end it on a over 500 uh, mark and end it on a high note for sure for a lot of these guys that have meant a lot to this program. I mentioned, I thought it was on ESPN Plus. It's on ESPN 3, should be still accessible to people. At 11 a.m., a lot of people will be waking up. Like I said, we'll be working, keeping up with it, trying to tweet best we can. If not, we'll be retweeting. Suki Sports Network, who does a great job. Not sure what the spread could be on the road. We will not be favored, obviously. It'll probably be, what do you think of Noah finally here? About a 10, maybe up to a 10-point spread, 7 to 10 points, you think? I'd say it'd be closer than that. Of, Three? I'd, I'd say around four and a half, maybe. I'm not sure. I mean, this is a team where – Obviously, we somehow, I mean, with Vegas, we could be favored. I'm not sure on that one. Um, I know last week, I think they were underdogs on the road against Missouri State the week before. They were underdogs at Illinois State. Their last home game was against South Dakota, where South Dakota was a 
or South or Youngstown was a three and a half point favorite against South Dakota. So I say it could be a pick 'em. I'd say it's pretty close because Vegas has leaned towards us a lot this year more than they should have. Great point. They just lost last week in terms of how they're deemed and how you're right. They could favor us. Vegas liked us a lot this year. You're right. So never know. I probably went a little too high there. It will be what it is. And we'll talk about it on the recap to see what lived up to it. Like I said, need to get this revenge they did against last year. It'll be sweet revenge to end our season on a high note for sure. So for Nick Malone, no alerts. Until next time, as always, go dogs.